I had a very strange childhood. I had the worst case any doctor had ever seen. My job is to keep healing. So that is the story. We all have remarkable stories within us. Stories of adversity, challenges, triumphs, and ultimately of healing. This is Your Health, Your Story, the podcast. When it comes to health and wellness, there are a lot of competing voices out there. But today's guest sticks out with her far-reaching skill set and worldly approach. Named the Golden Girl of Wellness by Ellen Forbes, she's a 12-time award-winning writer, classically trained chef, former line cook, former TV host, and former model-turned-journalist. She recently released her seventh book on Audible and is here with us today to talk about it. This is the story of Spirited with Candice Kumai. Candice, so glad to have you on the show. Thank you, Catherine. So nice to be here and to finally meet a co-friend or like a mutual friend, like a dozen people, maybe more. The networks within the space are are pretty serious, aren't they? And and this the synchronicities of things and similarities. And the one thing I learned in listening to the book, which I truly enjoyed, and everyone should go out and listen to, is that we have the similarity of having Polish fathers. Oh yeah, we were bonding <laughs> over how so it's amazing, but it's also very mysterious. And yes. I'll tell you everything. And there's some stoicism in everything that they do. Everything. And I think the same thing when I met you, Casper. At first, I was like, "Oh my god, he has an amazing personality." And sometimes people look at me and they're like, "How the fuck did you come from your father?" I'm like, "I don't know." Yeah. You know, the thing is also, I feel like my father could sometimes just turn on the charm a little bit with strangers and then go back to his like regular life with me and just be like super stoked. And people like, oh, you must love him. He's so friendly. I'm like, are we talking about the same person? Same guy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He has friends he meets with coffee like every week. And that's where all the jokes and the playtime go. And then also still volunteers like at the food bank and at the shelters and I think they see a charming side of the Polish father and both of our fathers are also immigrants, which their fathers and mothers uh, survived World War II. I can't imagine what they went through. I only know like snippets, like you were saying as well. So I, I also really believe that that sort of mentality of the war and the hard times in the old country, it lives through them and it, It's somewhere in us, too, which might be why we work so hard at what we both do. But I agree with you. People did not understand how we were even related. And growing up, it was Gwiewstowski, Gwiewstowski, my surname. Mm -hmm. It was only changed because of modeling very young um, to my mother's last name, Kumai, which a lot of people don't know. But it doesn't mean that that hardworking, stoic Polish side of us isn't you know, in there every day. It is entrenched, right? Once once you have a Polish father, it is entrenched, especially an immigrant one that comes here and your father was successful, mine too, in a way, because they work so damn hard. So it's in us for sure. And you absolutely work hard. Seventh book, incredible. That is quite the accomplishment. What led you to Spirited? To, you know, again, we discussed a little bit this pre-recording, but you know, the idea of spirituality, it's its a tough one to break in and, and really reach the masses, in a sense, and get them to be on board. Some are like, oh, that sounds religious. Others like, oh, that's woo-woo to me. But what made you say, hey, I want to do this on kind of wellness, spirituality, 
and create this book around Spirited? Um, great question, Casper. It was also a hard right turn away from cookbooks and the playfulness of, you know, Top Chef or Iron Chef, Selena and Chef, all the things that I've been known for. I did want people to know that there's a, a flip side to every person. And for every person who is in the light or a connoisseur of the light, they absolutely have darkness. Whether they admit that to you or not is another story. And I felt like it was time for me to be a little bit more honest with my audience about my own addictions, my own hardships, um, my own family, and how I wasn't doing well. And how could I teach people wellness if I was actually sick myself. And I wanted to be much more honest with people. So I figured if I'm going to go out with an Audible original, I have to tell the story and I have to be very real. And so it was the only way I knew that I could share the Polish father raising me Catholic, hardcore, and the Japanese mother raising me Buddhist, hardcore, and sort of being caught between these two worlds of Buddhism from the Japanese side and then being Catholic and Christian on my father's Polish side, I also thought it was strange that we did not discuss the beautiful relationships between people that chose to marry outside of their race. And for everybody to know that they chose love above all things, they didn't choose this person because they were Black, white, Latino, Muslim, etc. They chose them because they, they simply love this person. And so my mother is still a Buddhist. My dad is still a Christian and they are best friends and they go to Costco every week and they're like in heaven together buying whatever <laughs> Costco brand of insurance, air conditioning. <laughs> I'm saying, oh yeah, we got the air conditioning at the Costco. It's on sale. Great price. <laughs> and my dad will be like, oh yeah, Costco. Amazing. We got to look into the stocks again. So they just have common bonds and... I thought we needed to hear that right now. So there's still food and nutrition and beauty and all the things I'm known for. But there was just this one thing that was missing. They say the first half of life is about the body and the second half of your life is much about the spirit. Right. And it seems like a lot of us are stuck on the body. You know, they, they don't make that oh, yeah. transition into the spirit. <laughs> and I feel like, or maybe they're making the transition now from body to digital, right? Because it's oh, kind God. of like- it, Body it's yeah, right. <laughs> we, we've gone there. And listen, I, I really appreciated that you were quite authentic in this, in a sense of being like, hey, like social media is a big deal in a sense, but it also is corrupting us. Can we acknowledge that? And also yeah. saying, as somebody that's in a, been in the space for so long, I authentically will acknowledge I've gone through shit. I've had health like issue and mental things here and there that we all have. I know myself being in the space also and just like running a clinic. It's like I feel like I can't tell people if I ever get sick. It's yeah. like if I get, I sneeze, they're like, "Wait, you didn't do a treatment for that? What are you sick or something? Like, what's wrong with you? You're a fraud." <laughs> and it's no. like, no, you're allowed to have these days, right? And I. It just, I feel there's a facade around it, around the idea that's pulling us away from spirituality into the digital world, into a fake existence. How did you navigate that being in the public eye, being this, you know, this golden child in a sense, and still able to tap into a spiritual world when so much of what goes on pushes us in the digital and away from that? 
You know, what's so crazy is you have the same like syndrome, unfortunately or fortunately that I do, which is like, you're almost born into a family where they expect so much of you. So there's like a golden standard in your family. I know with the Polish uh, dad and the Japanese mom that we've had to, my sister and I always thought we could never be a failure at anything that we did. And that would mean never, ever, ever fucking showing who I really was. I even, I know my vernacular sounds like a TV host and that's because I was a TV host. And I know that when I went on Home Shopping Network, I was a host there at 25, which nobody knows about because I'm ancient and I've done every fucking job in the world in front of the camera. But people said, oh, we need to take your vernacular out because you say like and dude and oh my God, because I'm from San Diego and that's what we say. It's part of the culture. So I've been told everything that I should and shouldn't do, what to wear, how to look, how to dress, what to present, what to say, what not to say. And I was so confused by the time social media came out where I was like, you mean I'm supposed to fucking tell people now when I'm having a bad day? Like, is that cool? (laughs) Is it okay? So it was very distorted from the beginning because as my mom says, oh yeah, around 2020 afterwards, everything is so crazy technology. I can't keep up. And I feel her, you know, she's a Japanese language and cultural teacher. She taught me Everything that I know from going to Japan at five years old to writing my seventh book with her and her blessing. And that is something I don't think authors do very often is is write with their mom as like a Japanese and cultural editor on the side who teaches them this is okay to say and this isn't. I even gave her a copy of this book in advance. Um, My agents at UTA would print out copies for me in print, even though it went on Audible, it was still really important to look at the values, the morals, the structure, the Buddhist principles, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, like everything had to be as accurate as possible. So she barely looked over it this time because I think by number seven, she trusts that I'm not going to put anything horrid or outrageous or you know, awful in the book. And then I think that there also was a built trust with my own audience already by that point that it was like, she's the real deal. Candace has fucking done everything possible that she could possibly do, you know, including culinary school, line cook, editor at every food magazine or wellness or health magazine that I could think of in New York, judging on Iron Chef to, you know, the dumbest food shows in the world, like Extreme Chef or... This one's not dumb, but be Bobby Flay. You know, it's there's a million things that people can say they think they know you for, but at the right. end of the day, like you don't you don't know me. No. I don't know <laughs> you. We're right. behind closed doors. Like we all have voices, we have bad days, we have depression, we have anxiety. So to answer your question, like this was the first time I actually revealed the horrible addictions and thoughts and dating process and, you know, my Rolodex of men, you know, I loved going out with my friends and partying. And then I always thought that prescription sleeping pills were just for traveling and no big deal. And then I got hooked on them. And these are things I wanted to talk about because I thought it was too fake to tell people that I was the golden girl of wellness all the time. And then like we had spoken about earlier, I was just waiting for the haters to come out because I was like, bring it on because there's nothing you can do like to phase me at this point. 
And sure enough, as soon as the first bad review came in, Casper, I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) And I read it and I cringed and I was Mm. like, oh, I know my voice sounds corporate. You want to like, sorry, I can shoot a commercial tomorrow and get paid for it. It's part of my job. Yeah. But I, I can't change who I am. And I, nor do I want to. Like, I right. often say, you know, you're doing something right when you can be honest and say, my life is pretty fucked up, but I wouldn't trade it with anyone. I honestly wouldn't, even as, as an entrepreneur on my worst days, you know, just last week, I had another like, I call it like a little depression like episode when you have a, a big project come out and you are just done and you sort of lie in bed all day and you're a bit down on yourself because yeah. you've completed something astronomically huge that took five years. And so I'm still human. I still have depression and anxiety. And, you know, for the haters like that wrote, I sound corporate and I'm fake you don't fucking know me. I didn't even put half of the shit I've gone through in the book because I was too afraid. So unfortunately we live in an era where you and I and everyone else listening to this pod will live in fear of what other people think. And we will never actually be able to show you who we truly are, what we're truly going through and what our lives are actually shaped like every day. And because of that, I ask people to give me grace and to give others grace and to never judge somebody else's mental health issues as surfacy, because I'm sorry, but you will never know the experience of another human being. And no, if you say one nasty thing to somebody, which is unkind and honestly not even validated half the time, not true at all, that person might go out and be extreme and kill themselves. And it is something that people need to be aware of these days is like, Please don't say anything unkind to others if you can help it, because you might trigger them to take their own life at this point. And I wrote the book mostly, Casper, for every young girl out there, because they might have needed to hear my story to save their life, because I've been there. I know what it's like. I feel like I've lived 20 or 30 lives already. Everybody has a darkness and we must be made aware of this. And no one's suffering is more important than another person's. Yeah. It is not more, nor is it less. It should not even be measured. Right. I always make that, you know, point that you can't measure as someone suffering against the next person's or anything. It's it's impossible. It's like, tell me how your pain is. I just spoke with a doctor before this about uh, pain and, and it's, you know, it's a scale, but your 10 may be, you know, someone else's too and the other way around. And we're not looking to compare it. It is what it is to you. And that's all that matters. So let's, yeah. let's, you know, first acknowledge that and give people the space to, you know, have their suffering in a sense and not add on to it. I think there's like a great point of this book is that the more authentic you get, the better you are at connecting to the universe, to your spirit, to other things. There's there's less of a bridge, I feel like, between you and who your fulfillment or your highest destiny becomes. And unfortunately, you know, we do live in a society where so much is fake and so much is this. We're scared to be vulnerable. We're scared to put ourselves out there to get the haters to do all that. And then we sit there on digital and we just, you know, obsess over others' lives and get caught up in the algorithms of life. But especially in the health field, I feel like it's become incredibly saturated. You know this. 
We've both been in it for a while, 20 plus years or so. You've done so much in so many different areas of the field, from writing to the cooking to the media, all of it. It's changed, hasn't it, over the last 20 years? I wish I could savor the best. <laughs> I wish so too. <laughs> yeah, but ditto also, Casper. You should be very proud of where you are and carrying on your parents' legacy. And like we spoke on earlier, not everybody can be a doctor. And some of us have a different calling, you know, and I didn't, I didn't want to cook for a living. It was a terrible, like my line cook days were some of the craziest, most psychotic of my life. But I cried next to the fucking dumpster or in the fucking mm. fridge. And people would find me in there and be like, are you okay? Right. No, no, not. I, <laughs> and also on Top Chef, I was, you know, the youngest person to ever be on the show for the first season, and but the lo- youngest of all time ever. I and mean, that was a really brave position to be in without even realizing that I was brave. And I do want people to know that was 2007. You know, this is, it was so long ago that I don't even remember. I don't remember that the climate was so different at the time. Mm. I'll say that. Right. Right. So publications, like I used to be in-house at a few, including Shape, Men's Journal, Men's Health, Women's Health, and in-house at Rodale or AMI. And whether I agreed with what some of these magazines and publishing houses did or not, because some of them are still tied to tabloids and gossip columns or gossip magazines, I knew that it was just a machine. And so learning the process of being an editor, a food editor, a wellness editor, that was work and a skill set that I learned so much from that I could go out on my own and write independently for Vogue and Cosmo well and good and have done so since then. And then now I shoot and direct and produce like documentaries and video content for people like NHK World, which is Japan CNN or Shiseido, um, which is, you know, Japanese beauty at their largest scale. And it doesn't make me any more less of a fucking human. And that was something I think I want people to know is like, I still hurt. I still cry. I still crawl in bed and get depressed. And just because you get shacked up with somebody doesn't mean that you still don't have lonely days or trying times. Relationships take a lot of work. And just because I still live back in the city of dreams, it doesn't mean that I sometimes sit in my own apartment and and say, why isn't the phone ringing? Yeah. I miss the hustle and bustle of working, you know, in the city at a magazine. But I also know that it's also dying. You know, this is sadly a time where we are seeing our own friends get laid off at every magazine, at every publishing house, at every news network, at every TV show, like, and the writers are on strike and every friend in media whether they're at, they could even be at like YouTube and Google, et cetera. They're all getting laid off right now. And what has changed is we don't take people that have high skill sets and resumes that are longer than a fucking scroll serious anymore. We go to social media and we look at their fake numbers and we look at their fake fucking followers that they bought. And I know I sound like a hater right now, but I think everyone should hear us out professionally After investing 20 years into our craft, whether it is writing, producing, directing, a lot of us have been duped by con artists. And that's the part of wellness that I think has been 
not spoken about publicly very often. It is quite disturbing. And the more doctors and nutritionists and practitioners and writers and journalists that I talk to on a daily basis, the more we have these conversations, the stronger we are when we are unified in saying, I see you, I know you, I know your resume, I've worked side by side with you for two decades, and I will always hire you whenever I have a chance and give you opportunity. And it was so blatantly clear when I came out with book number seven, who supported my work and who knew that I was the real deal. I can cook anyone under the table. I can't drink anyone under the table anymore, unfortunately. (laughs) I used to be able to, but I can... I can write books well on my own. I don't need a goddamn ghostwriter. I don't no. need anyone to hold my hand through production and direction, even if it's on the other side of the world in Japan. I'm confident in my skills. But as a woman at 40, I still don't have the opportunities that I always dreamed of getting, whether that is a TV show, a series, a regular. I mean, would it kill somebody to have me on as a regular writer or a an in-house author at a publishing house. It's so no. sad. So many of us get overlooked because we didn't buy fake followers and we didn't fall into the trap of trying to sell you on your vulnerabilities. People like you and I, Casper, care about one thing, and that is being of service to other people. Yes. And unfortunately, you don't really get rewarded for being a good person in this world anymore. And that is the part of wellness and health I would like to change. Yeah. It's pervasive now. And I've seen it in medicine as well. When I look at, you know, the industry, even just uh, alternative holistic medicine, integrative medicine, you see, you know, doctors that market themselves well and doctors that actually help patients. And it's very rare you could do both. Uh, You know, part of what I've always wanted to try and do is give doctors the environment and space to really focus on the patient's and help them with all the other tools, such as marketing, everything else, so they don't have to step away. But, yeah. you know, I, I hate that when sometimes, you know, my father has worked all of his life in his 70s now, and a new guy that's just been on some show because he got to 100,000 followers, and they go to him instead, and, oh, he said something different about it. Well, I was like, I, I've been doing this for a long time, and, you know, he has the Polish thing where he's like, yeah, take it or leave it. Like, you know, oh you don't have God. to come here. <laughs> Phase them. Oh, like, no, no. Me, it phases. You know, I see no, them just like really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are the millennial generation that is so, oh, God, do we have problems? Our parents, though, it's so beautiful to see when I had a breakup. I remember I flew home to Cali. I went and saw my dad. I think my mom was in Japan. So, so I didn't get to like cry to my mom. And it, going home to my dad was going to be rough. My friends, brought me off to him and they were like, take care of Candace. And he, I remember crying to him about the guy that I had the breakup with posting on Instagram immediately. And he goes, Instagram, what? Who gives a shit? Get back to work. Give yourself 30 minutes to feel bad. And right. it was so funny that I tell the story to my, fr- my girlfriends from like college and high school and, and even elementary school all know him. And we die of laughter because it's so classic to have this beauty of somebody who is unfazed by the mental health, like distortion. And I feel you a thousand percent. Like I said, my partner works with Dr. Andrew Weil and he is a mentor of mine and a friend. And I, I look at people and I say, why haven't you done your research? Are you this, are you this gullible? Are you this dumb? 
I hate saying that word, but my sister and I use it often because it's it's true. I mean, people, I think it was Courtney, our mutual friend that taught me, she said her father said, never underestimate the bad taste of an American. They are a lot worse at times. And I'm so proud to be an American and it's hard to do that some days. But I also am proud to be a child of immigrants because there is a sense of integrity that you have to have in the work that you do. I like to follow through with my emails as much as I can, finish my books on deadline, show up and do the extra work as much as I can. But I also do research on who I work with and who I choose to spend my time with. And I think that added value at the end of the day from somebody like your father or Dr. Weil, who's been practicing for over 60 years, I think going to somebody who is trusted and real, you will get better results versus somebody who is good at marketing, a con artist, and has like a huge ass email list. Like, I don't give a fuck about your email list if you're taking care of my, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. I was going to say something my dad had. My dad keeps all this stuff secret. I was going to say, don't. He he will not appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, I care about experience, yeah. integrity, and why doesn't everybody else? And if you do, could you please help Casper and I out and start hiring people that have elite resumes of just beauty and integrity and grace in the things that they do in this world? Not everything is about a snatched waist, fabulous, like, you know, clothes and purses and elite vacations or paying somebody $200 for a fucking seminar, like webinar. Life is about going through a walk in the forest or the woods or jumping in the ocean. And like, it's about being wild and free. And I, until people grasp that, I think that they will always try to go to the guru type of person and waste their time and money on a doctor that has been marketing themselves to be famous. Yeah. I think a big part of it, Candace, comes down to this idea of like, we've sort of lost our intuition, which I think is a part of the spiritual experience of us, where we sort of innately know something is good or bad. And then we see something flashy and we run over there, even though intuitively we know that's not really going to help me. That's not really for my highest good. That's not someone I feel can truly heal me. But we have lost that intuition. And a large part of that is because we live in such a complex, informational, digital world, and we're not connected to nature. You know, you said it yourself. You traveled to Japan from New York City, and it it totally changed, right? The city is like just wild things, lights everywhere. And Japan is much different. It's quiet. You're around monks at times, right? Talk about what that meant to you, because I found in traveling around the world, and especially to places where you have very different cultures and it's it's a little bit more natural, whether it was, you know, I've been to Africa and been on, you know, little expeditions in Jordan throughout the desert and, uh, you know, with the Bedouins, like those were the ones that brought me back to my authentic and made me feel good and healthiest. So talk about that experience and how you put it in the book of going to a place like Japan that is so spiritually inclined and so beautiful in so many different ways and how that changed you as someone from New York City. Yeah. I mean, I want people to remember, I love that you are well-traveled yourself, Casper, and that your family hails from Poland also. 
there's a, a depth and a wealth of culture and knowledge and experience and inspiration that people rarely find in their own heritage. And I say to all of my readers, if you don't know who you are, then go back to where you came from. It's one of the easiest ailments to feeling better about yourself is knowing just the practice of simply knowing that your ancestors went through far harder things than you did. And knowing that your grandparents lived through things like the war and their parents lived through famine and war and they saw shit that, you know, we probably couldn't even process. Maybe we saw it in like Call of Duty or something um, on a game show or, you know, a fucking um, video game. But we never, sorry, it's a game show. I meant a video game. (laughs) I think that we as humans have this experience, right? And we take it for granted. Like you and I were both saying, like, my father came on a ship. He said everyone got sick except his baby brother. My grandfather was a POW in Poland and he had to escape off of a train from the Russians. And it's a it's a real story, even though it feels fake. And when I go back to Japan, like you had asked, I drove with my crew from Betbu, my mother's hometown, to Nagasaki because we wanted to see how far it was from where my grandparents lived when the bomb was dropped, 1945. And it was 100 miles. It took about one hour to get there from where my grandparents' house was. And then we sat and interviewed about eight different survivors. And I know I talk about the monks all the time, But some of the most prolific work I've ever done in my life was with the survivors of Nagasaki. They had like a light glaze over their eyes from aging or possibly from radioactive material that is still in their body. They are the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life. It's hard for me to even say this, but I actually think that you can't even compare them to the monks because... The monks chose their path of helping others and being of service where the Nagasaki survivors were just doing their daily routine when they experienced the most horrific thing that could ever happen. I so often wonder why I choose to talk about war in so many of my books and in my writing And when I was on CBS News, I was once asked, who would I want to meet if I could meet anyone? And I'm sure people would say, oh, yeah, Jimi Hendrix, Marilyn Monroe, you know, like, and I just said, I just want to talk to my grandparents because there was a language barrier in Japan and in Poland. And if I could sit with them and hear their stories, I think I might figure out who I am a little bit more and why I am the way I am. So... When we were in Japan, I think that being with my crew of all young people between 20 to 40, my mother joined us and she took us around her hometown. And I had gone there many times, but you go with a news crew and a documentation crew, it's a little bit different. And your mom can tell you some deeper things. And we went into the mountains where there are Buddhist statues stone Buddhas called Sekibutsu. And my grandfather used to go there and paint them. He's an impressionist painter that was on his way to becoming somebody in Tokyo at the Tokyo Metropolitan Museum. And then 
the Japanese were being bombed out by the U.S. and my grandfather had to run and flee and go back to the countryside. So it wasn't until my mom and I were there where she said on camera, you know, you're carrying on the torch for your grandpa. I'm like the last Kumai family member that is in the arts. I will be the last person to carry both the Gwizdowski and the Kumai name in certain areas of the family in the arts. And so I feel like a duty as an immigrant child, and I know you will get this, it is my duty to make them proud of what they did and what they sacrificed for me and my sister. I can't even imagine And I want people to know this too. My grandmother cleaned the hospital in Connecticut and my grandfather, after being a soldier in Poland and a farmer, he cleaned the hospitals with my grandma. And I sometimes think when people talk down to those who aren't in elite spaces, who do you think is picking up your trash down the street? Who do you think is serving you on the back end when it comes to just everyday packages and shipping and sending you, you know, your overpriced handbags. Like it is not okay to speak down to others or to think that you are any better than anyone else just because you have a figure or a blue fucking tick next to your name. Nobody gives a shit when you get up to heaven and God asks you what you did on this earth to help others. So the thought behind this is, is always be kind to others. You don't know where people came from or who they were, what their family went through. And always pay an homage to your family, your grandparents especially, because they yeah. lived through far harder things than we ever will. Casper, I don't even think we can complain about these, you know, doctors that market themselves or even the spiritual practitioners and wellness writers that market themselves because we owe it to our grandparents to be better, right? Like you and I are better than that. And I think maybe that's where the gift is as well. I got teased terribly as a child, both for being Asian and for being having a long Polish last name. And I think God somehow shaped me into the creature I am today to remind people, you know, later in life, be kind because I think the same kids that made fun of me growing up are now looking at me with eyes of awe when I'm on the Today Show. And I just, you know, remember what that felt like. I remember the kid that made fun of me on Top Chef. I There were several of them that were very mean to me and vulgar and disgusting. And I, at 22, knew enough to know to be kind and to take the high road because I saw my mother and father and my grandparents in the back of my mind, as I know you probably do too, and and all of you listening do. And I said, what can I do to make them proud? It would be shameful if I acted like an asshole on TV. So I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm going to continue a family legacy that I can be proud of. So others know that even though it's the harder thing to do, I think being a good person and doing quality work and having integrity in what you do is the right thing for those of us who get it. Yeah, I think a big thing we could take out of this is, you know, number one, respect your elders. They have so much wisdom with them. I I feel like sometimes it's, you know, you look at someone, oh, they don't have a cell phone because they're older or this and that. You you look down upon them. They they can't live in this uh, modernized technological world. It's like, what they have within them, the experience, the breath of wisdom is is just incredible. And to hear what they've sacrificed for you to be able to get here in a sense. 
And I say you because it could be anybody. So even we know a little bit of our lineage, right? Of of you have Japanese, Polish, I have Polish that go back. I don't even know how far I could go with it, but I do know that. And it definitely makes me who I am. Whereas some people don't. You get the whole, oh, I don't know, I was born here, I'm a mutt, this and that sort of thing going on. But you could always look to ancient civilizations, to generations past. You could ask stories. You you could do that investigative work and try to figure it out, even if it means going to one area you think you are from and seeing how they lived for a while, because I think you become very, very grateful. I remember traveling to places outside of the U.S. and going to third world countries when I was young. And I remember being a little brat about it at first and being like, I want to be around my friends playing Nintendo. Why are you taking me to Serengeti for like, you know, this and that, which is nowadays like, come on, man. Like everyone wants that. Don't be bitching about that. Like that's very fancy of you almost. But getting there and meeting kids in Kenya that were just so happy and had so little. And I was like, holy shit. Like I was just complaining about not getting the new Sega, like Genesis game and this and that. And, you know, and being away from my friends, my nice house and everything like that. And here are these kids with the biggest smiles, just no clothes on, like going miles for, for water. And it's like, wow, be grateful. Right. So it's like we have teachers in ourselves and our lineage and our grandparents and their great grandparents and so forth. We have teachers around the world as well that are humans, too, that we're all connected to. So I feel like even if you don't know, we did. And I think it's beautiful to go to places like I've been to Poland, felt that, you know, been to the concentration camps that I knew some relatives have been at. And wow, that that's that's I can't fathom what that's like at all. But just to know they went through that and now I am here is such a level of appreciation and gratitude. And then you feel connected to others. And I think it changes your perspective of the world. The menial little things in life, the stresses we all get really worked up for don't mean as much. And I do think that's that's part of the journey is to go out into the world, connect with others and see and be very grateful for your life. So I think that was something I absolutely kind of pulled out of your story. So thank you for that. But I wanted to kind of go back a little bit because there is this, again, it's very hard to break free of addictions in the world. And a lot of times we like to say, all right, it's drugs, it's this, that. But no, it's it's the cell phone we hang on to and everything. You had a great quote. Social media is about the worst thing that Buddha would have imagined for maintaining inner peace. So, Candace, if we can't all go travel around the world just yet, even though I feel like if we prioritized it, maybe we could. But what do we do to start to find inner peace? Wow. Well, this is a great question, Casper. It really is a process that is going to be uniquely different for everyone. So I, I often say this in my work as well. It pains me when I see clickbait and quick fixes because it's bullshit. It's not going to work in a second. It's not always going to be some aha moment. You're not all going to find like, it's nearly impossible for one guru to tell a room full of a thousand people that got duped out of all this money to tell you that their way of doing things is the way. I think the more I've studied um, Buddhism and also, you know, Christianity and practices way beyond us, like we're talking thousands of years of civilization and how actually simple life is. It's breath work, it's sleep, it's going for a workout, it's 
knowing, you know, the practice, like I said, of knowing is so simple to know that you will not be the last person, nor were you the first person to go through what you are going through right now. As painful as it is, the people, all the people that have wronged you, it will continue for as long as humans will exist. These Mm. things will continue. And your situation may be unique to you, but you are not alone. And I think that just the comfort in knowing sometimes brings people this inner peace Knowing that it is broken often, especially by our overusage of technology, I am included in that. And I would love for people to know that I always say this too. I'm an imperfect person. I'm a horrible person. I am a monster. I am a total brat as well. I also wanted the Sega Genesis. (laughs) All these things. I am also a wonderful person and kind and loving and very generous And I can be all these things and it is okay. It is okay. You know, I often feel for people that get taped on the airplane having their freak out because I'm like, that can be you and me. Yeah. And why are we doing this to people when life is tough enough as it is? Can you give people more grace? Can you give people more patience? Can you listen to understand instead of responding? Can you look to the Four Noble Truths or the Eightfold Path? If you would like to look them up, they are very simple to look up. I obviously have them in the book Spirited, but Titnat Han has a wonderful book called Being Peace, and I call it like the ultimate starter book for anybody who's just curious about Buddhism. It's more of a lifestyle and not a religion. Yeah. It is not dogmatic. And I never wrote the book so that I could tell people like, be this, be that. No, come as you are, flaws and all, piece of shit and all. I could care less. In fact, if you're if you're a wild person who did party a lot, I'll probably like you even more. You know, like there's a lot of, there are a lot of layers to people that I find charming and graceful and fun. And if, you know, if you're done, okay, cool too. You know, I can have a conversation with anyone because I'm very interested in the human experience as a whole. Yeah. But I think that peace is, is something that we can all look to for different things. For me, I find it in animals like cats and dogs I find it in flowers and I I find it often in the water, which is why I work so hard is to always be by the water in some way and form and shape. Um, And also what you said earlier, Casper, is right. We can practice gratitude, grace. The more I realize how much we have and how lucky we are, the better I feel about my life. When I'm on social, I will compare myself to other people. Whether I want to say to myself or realize that I'm even doing it or not is that trick that I think Buddha would not like social media at all because he would say, this is stupid. I often also think to myself, what if I told one of my monk friends in Japan, like Sasaki-san or even I work with a reverend out there, Reverend uh, Takafumi-san. What if I told them about the social media posts that were driving me crazy? Look at this girl. Who does she think she is? <laughs> look, at this, you know, look at this man. Ridiculous. This is fake. This is Photoshop. This is Facetuned. 
you know, what if I told them those things? They would laugh in my face and they would probably also think I was crazy because we are. And so we really need to think about those things before you and I go and scroll, even though it's so easy to do. It's like how we all communicate now. I get it. But I also think we need to give ourselves a little bit more like space between the technology and also know that you and I having a conversation right now is very real and it can be deep and prolific. And for anyone hearing, I hope it serves as an ailment for you to know that Casper and I are also not perfect. And we both scroll and breaking our inner peace happens every time we open up those apps. So my training, it would be great if I could get away from them even a little bit more. Absolutely. I think everyone needs to acknowledge that there is a law of polarity and that we all embody that, the yin and yang somewhat, that we're going to have hard day, good days, you know, sad, uh, happy, and and we will break down and go into some things that probably aren't for the best of us, but we have the ability to jump back. And I think part of that is looking at attachment on one side, we become attached to things, expect things and, you know, and then to become a little bit unhappy with that versus this idea and this concept that you bring up a good amount in the book of letting go. And it is one of my favorite books from David Hawkins called Letting Go and, you know, this art of just, just releasing things. And it's something that I've realized in my life when I was able to do it, when I let go of expectation, just allowed and didn't, you know, paddle against, let's say, the currents of life and just floated. Things turned out better. Things turned out, you know, maybe not exactly as I wanted, but even maybe better than I wanted. Can you go into a little bit of how you realize and and the concept you realize to help let go in your life to forgive also, I think, is a part of letting go and why that's so important. Yes. And I'll use an example that will help others because it's a frequent topic that comes up to me. I have had relationships with men that were romantic and with women that were friendships. And they have both unraveled into unhealthy relationships at certain points in time. For the men, for anyone who is struggling right now in a relationship, there were certain people that I held on to so tightly that were not meant to be for me and vice versa. Whether I wanted that or not was out of my control. And the more I held on to it with this belief system that it was supposed to work out or be, I think is a societal norm that we have to break free from altogether. We tend to think that there is only one person, the one, this fucking idea of somebody being your soulmate. You know, do you think that my parents from other sides of the world, they met in Japan at a Buddhist temple, like at a giant Buddha, Kamakura? I mean, that is so by chance. If we change our belief systems, I think we can come to terms with there are multiple people that could be your partner. There are multiple times in your life that you could fall in love with different people and it's okay. And as somebody who did date a lot from the time I was in my teens till I was, you know, I found my current partner at like 38. I think it's like, we've got to come to reality and update societal norms a little bit more so that people don't go out and get married at 20 and then hate their life for 20 years. 
And I'm saying this just as a realist, you know, somebody who's experienced it all. I've been in nine weddings as a bridesmaid or a maid of honor. I've seen a lot of shit. I mean, I wrote for Cosmo and, and Women's Health and Shape. And, and sometimes I'd get asked about relationship stuff. And I feel like we need to become more updated when it comes to relationships and letting go is an easy tool and resource. Maybe you're holding on to an old idea or an old belief system that no longer works for you. And the sooner you realize this, the easier it's going to be to let go of this person who may be wonderful. They may also be a piece of shit. Like I've done it all. And and I'm proud of it too. I don't have any shame in anything I've done in my life. And I've done everything. And I just think we need more voices where people are a little bit more honest about modern day dating and modern day norms. And let's just break that all together sometimes because we know that Gen Z doesn't want to do what our parents did. And as they shouldn't, even though I just convinced my parents to change to YouTube TV, which was like a miracle. I was going to say, that that is a big one. (laughs) Congrats, Candace. I don't think I would ever get that for my parents. It was right before Miranda's party. It was like the day before it. I visited them and I was like, you know, YouTube TV is a great deal compared to cable. <laughs> well, you got them on the deal then. They're probably like, we don't care about anything else. You're saying we could still watch things and save. And there yeah. you go. It was telephone, cable, and internet. I think the all-in-one was like $200. And I said, well, if you do YouTube TV separately, it'll save you like $30 a month. Oh, like you savings? Yes. Oh, sad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> They get that. The power of a single dollar saved is like yeah, tremendous. It's yeah. fabulous. People can change, you see? They can. The second part that I hear all the time, this is still something I struggle with to this day, which I want women and girls to know. Okay, so not every girl friendship is supposed to be forever. I mean, it, I don't know how guys are. I think men are a little bit more simple with relationships. Usually. But women are really complex. I mean, there are layers and layers of jealousy and really just dishonesty when it comes to women friendships where there are people that I'm sure there are tons of people who have talked behind my back while we've been friends. But what I don't think a lot of them have personally admitted is that they were unhappy with their own life. And therefore, they projected that onto me, somebody who went out and lived wild and free and chose this path for myself. Like, I didn't want to get married young. I didn't want to have kids young. I always knew that about myself. I was always a wild kid. And I don't you dare try to hold me back. I mean, that was like something that I fought my whole life for was freedom. So I think women need to come to the realization that if they're friends with somebody who is miserable, who doesn't act in kindness in their own friendship, they need to learn to set a boundary and let go. And I do talk about that quite a bit in the book too, because I think women need to get like permission for some reason to say goodbye to an old friend, or maybe it's a new friend, but as soon as it feels toxic and you're not feeling good, honey, let go. And you don't need permission from anyone the two things you mentioned there in relationship friendships you know both relationship based in a sense but you know these idea of norms of things you must or shouldn't do it's like it's just got to come from here your heart like you got to tap in here and be like is this right for me 
even if the norms change, it's like, you are not the norm, I hope. Like, no one is in a sense. We're all so unique, so different. And that idea, like, sometimes we stick in things just to, you know, be a part of something or be, you know, we can't be afraid to step in to our truth, even if it does hurt at first, right? Change is painful. And I feel like people just stay there in paralysis and don't change. That's unhealthy. That's stagnation. Stagnation is death. That is such a beautiful point, Casper. People have to realize that sometimes you don't want to break up, right? Because it's so painful and you're like, fuck. I actually know somebody from my 20s that said they didn't want to break up with somebody because this was not my friend. It was my ex-partner's friend. He said that they had like a Blockbuster account they shared. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, Like, I'm miserable, but there's Blockbuster for free. But that was like so unbelievable yeah. to me at the time. I was like, what? It was just like, sorry to say this. This is totally off subject. But on Top Chef at 22, I knew that being an asshole on TV was a bad idea. Could not fucking believe how many people that were way older than me and way more like established wow, did they not give a fuck about looking like an asshole on TV? I just, mind-blowing to me. The things that people say and do and believe, this is no judgment. Everybody should come as they are and do what they want. But I do think that a lot of people stay in bad relationships or they don't know how to end it because it is so hard to do. Whether it is the girl friendships or the guy and like relationships and love or friendship, either one. And sometimes it's a work relationship too. Like you don't want to leave your job because you want the money and you're, you feel trapped. As soon as you feel trapped, my friend, that is when you have to listen to the body and the heart. Like Casper said, like this doesn't lie. Your mind probably plays all kinds of Jedi shit on you. But I always say, I know the heart, the human heart can also be dumb because you can fall in love with just about anyone But I truly believe that your intuition and your inner, like, say something, your body rejects something, you'll know, you'll know. And I would be easy and I would be gentle. And just like Casper said, it is going to hurt so bad. I hurt so badly over an old friend group. It was probably the worst pain I had in a long time. And it lingered for years Because I held on to the idea that we should be friends forever because my mother told me that. And it was not true. It was not true. And I just, I want people to know that you don't have to believe everything that your mom told you, even though she was right 99.9% of the time. That one little thing about being friends with your college friends forever, unfortunately for me, it was not true because I outgrew a lot of people in different ways. It doesn't mean that their life or my life is any better than the other at all. It simply means we're like on different paths, going on a different trajectory in life. And I love them. I wish them the very best. And I forgive everyone, including myself, for being a bad person during that process. And I think if we can learn to forgive those who have wronged us and have hurt us, I mean, it's, I can't even count how many men I feel like I've been crushed by, but I'm grateful for each of them because they taught me a lesson. 
And it made me who I am today. And of course, they still peep at all my stuff. Who are we? That's not going to end, girls. It doesn't mean anything, though. It just means he's probably curious about what you're up to. Um, yes, curious, jealous, <laughs> all, all, all those, uh, yeah, different uh, emotions around that that we have as men. But, you know, the thing hey, that why pops. Why you guys do that? No, no, Casper, you can't change now. Okay. Why all right. Let's stick there. Look at your ex's stuff. Why? I think there is a general curiosity to it all. Like, you know, if I, I'll tell you honestly, from my side, there's no like negativity around it. Like, I'm, I actually get happy when I see they're with other oh, okay. people and things like that. I'm not of that set. I don't have that attachment, right? When it's over, it's over in a sense. And yeah, I learned that for many times of screwing up and not letting go and being there and be like, oh, I can't do this. And you stay in way too long and you get miserable. The other side get miserable and you just stay together right. for. What reason for the comfort in a sense? So you don't have to go through the pain. But the thing I was going to say, Candace, is what if we reframe that? And this is something I've learned as pain is growth. We know this in the gym. We go to the gym. We must have pain to then get our bodies in shape, everything like that. What if spiritually, what if in life, pain we saw as growth? Yes. And we had to do some of that painful thing where the other person's sobbing and you're feeling bad. You're going to go into a life alone again when you were so used to this other person. So what if we reframe that as, all right, this is growth to allow something better into my life, to allow a new partner into my life and allow them to have a partner who really, really, truly in their heart wants to be with them as well. Because you knew it too, right? That it wasn't for that. And it was turning toxic. There were so many that each of them was so unique, right? So every person that we're speaking to now also will have such a uniqueness to their breakup, the nuances of like what made them want to stay together, what was too powerful to tear them apart. And sometimes it doesn't always end badly. Sometimes it's just a a knowing that it is time and you move on. I mean, I learned that from from death and grief. You know, there's a notion that sometimes you just have to let things go And when you hold on to them, like we said this earlier, is when you really feel the suffering. But I do, I still encourage this and I say it all the time so that I can remember it and others can too, is you can never really know what one is truly going through at any different point in their life. So it is always best to be kind. Like even if you're having an awful day, you know, sometimes I tell people like, just like the the horrible book reviews that we can see sometimes as authors and writers, you know, this is somebody's livelihood. It's how they feed their children and keep the bills like going and pay the rent. And when you write horrible things about people, even if it's personal, and maybe you're just projecting something about yourself that you don't like, you are affecting somebody else's livelihood. And for that, I ask people to know that even if you don't like someone, like say you absolutely hate me because I'm polarizing and I get it, keep it to yourself, man. I have to bite my tongue so much these days because we're all triggered by so much of the technology around us. Yeah. But I, I also think, like you said before, when we learn, we grow and we definitely go through pain cycles. And if we can actually stop and take a look at what's going on and assess it, like my pain cycle is revolved around feeling very much like I don't have the respect or the merit that I so badly look for because my mother was a very tough mother and she in a way 
maybe did not see me as a success story because I chose to be an independent writer instead of a doctor or a lawyer. And I always looked for outside validity and still very much do, which is probably why the, the poor reviews can hurt me. But then when I come to the realization to accept, it's a feedback loop I'm telling myself, I know I'm good. I wouldn't get on, you know, shows and have a million books if if I wasn't good at what I did. So at some point I have to stop and tell myself, Candace, you are loved, you are good enough, you are successful, and you do have merit and respect from your peers and you need to just see it. Like Courtney said it to me, I think yesterday too, but the feedback loop comes from paying attention sadly to the con artists, the fake people, the fake followers people have, and just getting down on myself. So if anybody feels that way and they're telling themselves this horrible story over and over perpetually, it is typically from an overuse of social media, this old belief system that no longer works for you. And you're not alone in that feeling. Casper, I'm sure you have felt it. Absolutely. Or, or maybe even have felt it for your parents' practice in a way. Oh, yes. I mean, I, I suffer in that way similar to you that it is, you know, I know my father says, day like jokes around like, oh, you still want to go at 41 back to medical school? It's like, that's done pretty well in the business arena, have companies now do this and that. But yeah, sure, I'll go back to medical school and be one by like 60. Uh, no, it's not going to happen. This That wasn't my path and that's okay. But yeah, you're very critical on yourself of, of all these things and trying to get that. And anyone that says one wrong thing when you know how long and how hard you worked and what you've done to get to somewhere, it does impact you. But some of the things that I do use in my own life. And I found it fascinating because I do love the Japanese concepts and foundations of things like Kaizen, like Ikigai. And even, you know, you introduced me to the Wabsabi and, you know, this imperfection. And, you know, these are really important, I feel like, concepts that can all help us. How do you apply? Because there are so many different Japanese concepts. Maybe you could give some examples to everyone listening of how you apply them within your life to then become happier, to work through those tough times that we all are going to experience. Yes, it's inevitable that bad things will happen. So we have a term called mono no aware, which means the pathos in your own life, which means indeed things will not always be good. I'm in fact, like pushing down things that I have to deal with in my own life right now that sometimes I think I'm the only person going through them. And in fact, I'm not. Ikigai is finding one's purpose. It is an Okinawan term, and it refers to you finding a place in your community. And I think you have found that, Casper, and it's important for you to acknowledge it, regardless of what our immigrant parents' wishes are. We have a different calling, and it, it is okay to do just that, because if you're a messenger helping your parents out, I'm sure that they see it now. When we think about gaman, it refers to always doing your best. So you'll hear Japanese people say gambate, gambaru, gaman. That means, or excuse me, gaman is um, resilience, like living in resilience. And then the parent word to that is like gambate, gambaru, which is always doing your best. I think as New Yorkers, we're one of the most resilient 
types on this earth and you have to be, you know, if you know how to throw a bow on the subway or stand back against the wall in the station or just simply be aware constantly that bad things can happen at any time and accept them as they are. Gambate refers to like an Olympic athlete or a doctor going out for their exams at the beginning of med school. You want to say to people, Gambate, always do your best. And that is an anthem we say in Japan to each other because we do believe as a culture with no natural resources at all, that brain power is one of the only things that they have, which is why they work so incredibly hard. Kaizen is continuously improving. Many people have taken this concept and utilized it into the practice of business. And we do know from the automotive industry, it was used widely during that period of time. Um, I believe in the American boom, even automotive vehicles back in Michigan. And I think we should maybe rephrase Kaizen for the modern day audience And I ask people, like I said before, and professionals, whether you're in the business for 10 years, 20 or 50, to look at people and look at their resume and their body of work and their skill set, their professionalism, their candor. How do they treat others? And are you hiring the same people over and over? Is it time for new and fresh faces, new stories, new lenses, new perspectives, We often see a Caucasian westernized version of storytelling in Japan, and it is very sad as a half-Japanese woman whose mother is born and raised there to never be able to tell my own story regarding Japan just because I am an American Japanese female. I think that is an easy way for me to say to people, you might have been fed stories through the Hollywood lens that are not true or just one facet on a complete world of just multifacets. It is important for us to think deeply about these things. If we don't think, we often lose our train of inspiration and creativity. So it's really important to take yourself out of this bubble that we live in. Even Even if it's New York City, I still tell people, explore and grow and learn. I'll leave you with this word, Shinrin Ryoku, which is forest bathing, sometimes a simple cleanse of the oxygen released from a forest, getting deep breathing in, viewing the moss on the trees and the rocks, seeing the stream, hearing it, audible learning, you know, visual learning. These things can help you on a mini reset in a way. So it is important to go into nature when you can. Even if you don't have a lot of money, I often tell people, You can always find your haven for nature. You can do woofing. You can volunteer on a farm. You can travel all over the world and help people like UNICEF or even Habitat for Humanity and get yourself out of your element and find like-minded people that do good in this world. And the last, last word is komorebi, which is the light, the flicker between the trees that you will see if you're walking through that forest It is an untranslatable Japanese word. All of these are. But komorebi will be like this guiding light for you. I see it when I go to Japan and I always point it out to the Japanese people. I must look like a fool to them. Like, komorebi. (laughs) They're like, oh, oh. mm." They're excited that 
this Japanese American journalist is so fascinated by Komorebi, but it just en- enables like this moment of light in the darkness that I think we can see visually. We will never be able to see that flicker between the trees if there wasn't the combination of yin and yang and light and dark together, like you had mentioned earlier. And guess what? Both have to fucking coexist with one another. You'll never be able to get through this lifetime without pain and suffering and the darkness. And the more you come to realize this, and I am not perfect, I still struggle every single day. Depression, anxiety, addictions, And no, I don't need to tell you everything about my life, which is why when people write these horrible reviews and comments and judge, it's like, wow, shit, did you want me to pull back another curtain for you? (laughs) Because I can, but I didn't feel like it. And because of you, I'm going to go back to cookbooks, which people are probably happy about. But (laughs) it's so funny how afraid we are to sometimes just be ourselves imperfectly, perfectly, imperfectly, wabi-sabi. Come as you are, flaws and all, and stop fucking judging other people. Because who (laughs) are you? Are you perfect? You know, I'm pretty sure Buddha wouldn't even judge anybody, and he probably was close to being enlightened. But yet he is a mere mortal like you and I. Japanese culture is so freaking fascinating. It's just, you can learn so much. That's what I love from it. And everything you said is just like so on point. And that's why I feel like anyone that listens to this audio book spirit, it is going to pull something out of it that resonates with them, right? For me, it was kind of Kaizen hit there and letting go and other things. And through the stories, you could, you know, kind of get that, that appreciation for how it will impact you and how you could utilize it in your life. So that's amazing. So when is the next cookbook out now, right? You, you got to do a cookbook because then the haters will leave you alone. <laughs> well, there'll be something. I t- one woman told me I ruined her party because she made the lemon lasagna rolls wrong. And I you ruined it. <laughs> nice going, Candace. <laughs> oh, of course, my gay bestie was like, don't you ever read these again? She was a horrible cook. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So wanted people to also know that this was one of the best cookbooks of all time that we wrote, which I love, Green Eats. Um, If you want to just go back to the cooking Bible, I don't have clean green drinks, but apparently it was my most popular book of all time. It was a smoothie book. So random, Casper. I know my mind is what people love. I love a good smoothie. (laughs) This was said to me at a party the other day. Candace, people don't give a shit about philosophical shit. They just want to cook. Like, and then another friend said, You're getting really serious with all of your books. I you need to go back to like being weird and silly. Stop I was like, being all right. So Tolstoy and yeah. I I mean, I had to tap into something to get out of, you know, my demons. But yeah, you guys, I'll go back to cooking. This is the Kiki Wellness book that was oh, I love this book. But again. Maybe it was a, a far, you know, right when I needed to go left. Um, and then this is what Spirited looks like on Audible Originals. It's so interesting you ask that, you know, I'm supposed to have meetings tomorrow about talking through the new process of the new book or the next book. And I think I might just go back to what I'm good at, which is nutritious food, real food, clean eating with a Japanese streak and continue the research of like where one comes from. So that we can remind people, you know, you and I have worked in the field for so long and 
I love that I've written so many books because it puts a timestamp on how long I've been doing this shit. And it, it's all been hard. I don't have a ghostwriter, like I said. I don't pay people to do any of my work. I do everything on my own, including shooting and producing and directing and creative directing. And people will find me behind the camera or cleaning up at the party or setting up the fucking doilies before they come. Like, what's the big deal? Like, that's what immigrant kids do. If more people would realize, though, that there are artists and people out there that are wildly talented that they're overlooking for whatever reason, I think it, I hope that they can take that from what you and I do in the practice of wellness and take it a little bit more serious that it is time for change and not just to talk about it, but actually take action and do it. Actions was necessary right now. We got a, a sick society in more ways than one, right? And uh, a lot of that is lost spirituality, just loss of health and physical health and all these other things. We need to turn it around. We need to come together to do so, not tear each other apart, you know, while doing it. That That's not healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure that's not healthy. <laughs> no, of course not. And do you want to be that kind of person? Yeah. Like, I want to tell your kids we also have so many mutual friends like Courtney Porcolab, yeah. Miranda Kerr, Rosemary Swift. I'm yeah. sure there's so many more. I didn't really tap into it. And I did also want to say, Casper, that this core. Oh, you had it too. Yeah. Yeah. I've been using it. But it's so good. Shout out to, to the Quora Organics team. That Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It, it makes is. me so proud because it's somebody who's so wildly successful and beautiful and a great human putting out really good work. And yeah. I feel like it takes one to know one. So your listener probably will get this. And I and I love that. And I'm excited that you and your family exist. Thank you. And the feeling is mutual. I'm excited you and uh, the Polish father and Japanese mother all exists. And uh, yeah, you're able to share your art with the world. And people go straight to Audible to get spirited, correct? And it's an Audible's original. So if you actually have Audible ready, you could just tap in and start playing it, which was awesome. It's free. I mean, it's free for 30 days if you sign up anyways. But I always tell people, you know, go with what feels right. You know, if you're on your own journey or if you're in a difficult place, it'll help. And keep writing positive reviews for the authors that you love and the projects you love and positive comments for people like Casper, because that is a new form of currency for the modern day artists. And, you know, the more people on, that understand that, the more we can keep doing the work we do, because it's not about monetization of the dollar bill. It's more about how many people can we reach so that we can help more people. So I commend you for that. If not in this world, maybe in a different lifetime, we will see the fruits of our labor right. or... Even if we don't, it feels wonderful to know that just one person's life could be changed from what we do. Beautifully said. I think that's a wonderful place to close it on. Candice, thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait for the next work of art that comes from you. Thanks, Casper. And so as you've heard here, whether it is ancient wellness or spiritual practices, Candice provides a roadmap and she's also the ultimate role model. She embodies it in her books, her podcast, her website, Everyday Living. So check out the new book, Spirited, A Modern Guide to Ancient Spiritual Wellness and Wisdom, now out on Audible. Until next time, continue writing your own healing story. <laughs>